Welcome to The Resonance, the podcast about energy and sustainability from Alpha Energy Group, an Edison Energy Company. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Alpha Energy Group podcast. I'm Jeremy Nicholson, Corporate Affairs Officer at Alpha, and I'm joined by my colleague, Henry Hobart, our European Energy Risk Manager, to discuss what's been going on in the European commodity markets. Henry, we had a lot to discuss last time we, we, well, we had one of these sessions, but one of the things we keep referring to in, in all this is structural issues affecting the European markets. What's your take on that? Good morning, Jeremy. Always a pleasure to be back. That's an important point, I think, because we've been speaking about structural issues over, over our various um, episodes, and the truth is Europe is still in a structurally dangerous uh, predicament. We mentioned last time that we basically swapped one single source gas for another, basically from Russia to the US. And that still means Europe is still a tremendously import-dependent region. And that means any price premiums, any competitions could sway local pricing. Right. And But on the positive side, I mean, a lot of people listening to this will be aware we've seen some quite dramatic reductions in gas prices, which have been the big concern, the driver of the problems last year. TTF prices plunging. Is this reflecting fundamentals? How does this tie in with the structural issue you've just mentioned? That's a good point. So on, on the offset, one might start to question, well, if Europe's indeed in such a in such precarious structural dangers, why has TTF plunged? Why are we seeing, you know, two plus year lows markets, even in, a, in this sort of mid to upper 20s for near term contracts? Well, it's a bit of both, really. Is it fundamental? Yes. And why? It's mainly because we can go back to the, the three pillars. Uh, the three pillars I usually cite, weather, storage, LNG. Now, all three are still ticked, meaning that the weather's superb in most parts of, of Europe for, for gas. We got ample LNG. Actually, some would say too much LNG right now. We've got a lot of floating cargoes around just waiting to dock and waiting for buyers. And last but not least, of course, storage, which is, again, performing tremendously, where we're well in our way to prepare for next winter. And that has allowed the fear factor to slow down um, to an extent. But we also have to also factor into where the structural premiums or rather the price premiums that LNG come, come in. LNG is structurally more expensive than pipeline gas. That's a fact. And right now we're seeing a very interesting trend whereby TTF now is trading below Brent crude. So basically converting Brent crude from dollar per barrel to euro per megawatt hour gives you roughly about 12 to 13 dollars per MMBTU when it talks about Brent crude. And right now, in the same dollar per MMBTU benchmark, we're seeing TTF roughly between 8 and 9. So actually, it is now cheaper to get TTF nat gas vis-a-vis crude, which a lot of um, industrial users did during the heights of the energy crises last year. So that's providing that sort of fundamental and providing that support me- mechanism where explains why TTF has price plunged. Now, can this plunge be long dragged out? over into Q3, Q4, that remains to be seen because, again, premiums in the market for LNG plus the structural issues we mentioned earlier on are big pivot points that could, again, change the way this market is trading. We also have to sort of draw attention to the price plunge is really only centered around the near term, basically going as far out as probably three to four months in advance. But once you get to Q4, once you get to the year one, Pricing is a lot more stable. Year one TTF is still hovering circa that 50 euro mark for, for a while, whereas most of the near term plunges are centered in the month ahead and spot. 
Right. So, uh, as you say, there are some risk issues ahead as far as that's concerned, but equally a much better position to be in at this time of year than we were in last. And I guess that, you know, the, the truth of the matter is uh, Europe is in, in, in an international competition to source gas. And if the conditions are relatively benign elsewhere in the world, it's relatively easy to get the cargoes to come here. And with that in mind, I mean, the principal competitor, uh, demand competitor for, for LNG as far as potential European gas is concerned, is, is Asia and the Asian market. Uh, how are things looking there? And what, what's the risks, would you say, to Europe about uh, changes in demand in the Asian sector? That's a very good point, Jeremy, and I thank you for bringing that up because, indeed, that's that's one thing we haven't really seen so far across Q2 is that competition from East Asia. And because competition from East Asia is still sort of lagging because of the changing power gen dynamics in the region, you're really seeing the East Asian power players. So Taiwan, China, Korea, Japan, they've all actually switched to alternative fuel because gas was getting a bit too much expensive for producers and, and users in, in this region. The famous ones are basically Japan and Korea, which basically restarted their nuclear programs. Japan in particular has ramped up its nuclear with an expectation for nuclear to basically revert back to around 35%, 40% of their generation mix. And that's going to, again, alleviate a lot of that demand. We have to remember Japan is the world's largest LNG importer. They've recently overtaken China yet once more because the Chinese went back to fuel, refined fuels such as diesel, etc. etc. So you're really seeing that dynamic change in that region. So because of that as well, and because of alternative fuel sources, it has allowed that region to not dip into the spot market as much in Q2 because it was too expensive and they had alternatives ready. And that resulted in basically the oversupply market we're seeing in Europe right now. I do have to draw back one point. This is not forecasted to be the new normal in Asia. Asia will still be the biggest driver for gas and oil from the second part of this year, mainly on the back that that gas pricing now has actually dipped quite low. As again, the example I gave earlier on, $8 to $9 per member BTU for TTF, the Brent indexation 12 to 13, that means it is now cheaper for these regions to start re-importing. And we've actually seen this. We've seen orders now being placed in China from July onwards, right at the brink of the end of Q2 and early Q3 period. So we might start to see that contango strengthening going forward. And exactly that's what's happened. Q3 right now trading roughly about 31, 32 euros TTF at the time of this recording. But once you get to Q4 and year one, as I mentioned, you're really going into the mid to upper 40s and even in the lower 50s as well. So the contango is there for a reason. There's demand over the longer term. And of course, we haven't really hit peak summer yet. Cooling demand in the region could again drive up demand. So again, competition from Asia is indeed possible. It could lead to and exacerbate the structural issues we have in Europe, and as a result, could again add premiums. But then again, I want to sort of make sure the audience also is aware that we're not really saying that the triple-digit market will return, but we could easily see 50, 60, 70% add additions to the market if structural dangers persist, and of course, if competition arrives back from Asia. There is that possibility, it is plausible, but again, as of right now in Q2, we're quite comfortable. 
Right, and, and I've a feeling we might be returning to that subject as the summer goes through, depending on how uh, demand picks up uh, in, in Asia as a consequence. And turning now back to availability of supply within Europe, uh, one of the real, really big concerns last year, uh, coincident with the Russian gas problems, was the lack of availability of hydro. Uh, what does the situation look like for hydroelectricity in Scandinavia and Alpine regions, which after all covers either most of Europe or is adjacent to most of the other countries. So we're all affected by it one way or another. Now, what does the situation look like currently? So that's a good, important site because exactly the structural issues we mentioned in its core actually sort of encompasses the wider sort of uh, nuclear slash hydro market we have. It's, 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 it's the, basically the top three power gen producers in Europe are natural gas, nuclear and hydro. Wind is also there, but again, wind is more intermittent, so I'm just going to park it on the side first. But relating to the free uh, I just cited, nat gas, as we mentioned, Q2 is relatively comfortable. We might see, again, structural challenges and, and, and competition from, from other international players from the second half of this year. So nat gas, basically covered. Nuclear, uh, a very, very popular topic on these sessions, remains status quo. Again, EDF and the nuclear output not doing too great. There's been some shorting of, of outages in their timetables, but again, I would sort of tread cautiously with that. Again, we're not seeing big improvements. Again, at cracks and safety issues could come any point of this year. So that could be a danger. But hydro, hydro is the one probably I would see a little bit more, let's say, clearer risk because of the threats of droughts. And of course, as a byproduct of what made the TTF pricing plunge and what, what's put us in such a comfortable position in gas is actually putting us in an uncomfortable position in hydro. Mild weathers has actually impacted hugely the reservoir levels, uh, alpine snowfalls in, in, in Europe and has allowed uh, risk to basically go up. For example, in France, one of the re reservoirs in the southwest is now more than 80% empty. In Italy, you could actually walk across the, the, the shore close to Lake Garda because water levels are so low. Traditionally, you can only travel to that small island in the middle by boat. And the Alps, they have recorded almost 70% less snow compared to normal. And we've, we've known, we've experienced this before in August last year. What did that do to pricing? That's when we had the ultimate peak in, in uh, throughout the energy crises. And of course, not to mention in Germany, waters, the water levels are very important because that's where the barge traffic on the Rhine into Central Europe helps. It's also where most of the coal is transported as well. Even in the UK, we had amongst the driest Februarys and March in decades as well, which is really impacting a lot of that level, which could again, again, uh, exacerbate the structural problems we mentioned as well. Well, let's uh, pray for some uh, reasonably wet uh, but not too wet weather across much of Europe over the months ahead, because not only do we need gas in storage ahead of winter, we need um, hydro availability too. And there's been some other developments that could affect uh, winter next year compared, compared with last, haven't there? On the nuclear side, obviously, there have been closures in Germany and others planned, but some relatively good news in Finland with the opening of a long-delayed reactor there. What's the overall balance looking like for, for the coming winter? and what, How does that affect itself in, in forward prices? Yeah, exactly. The, the, the OL3 reactor uh, in Finland is a testament to, to how nuclear could play a role in Europe's future energy security. But of course, uh, Germany went the other route. Only time will tell what that policy does. 
but overall winter premiums are still likely to come back. So reverting to my earlier comment regarding the contango, yes, you're seeing near-term markets for basically up to three, four months ahead, relatively comfortable. We're seeing very good pricing for Q3, but once you enter Q4 and the year one, you start to see the winter premiums being built in. So there's a contango basically up to the year one, but then it reverts back to a backward-dated market from year two, year three. So from this sense, yes, from a tendering perspective, I would still advise clients to extend, especially if you have contracts expiring end of this year or even next year, 2025, 2026, really looking very, very nice uh, to have some contracts in place. Again, something I always, always mention, if you have a contract in place, you don't have to hedge if you don't want to, but it allows you the flexibility to enter in a protective trade in case the market moves in a, another direction. So again, tendering around Q2 has historically, even removing the energy crises is always a strategic time because once you enter Q3, August, July's holiday season, things can get delayed. And of course, next thing you know, Q4, which I again, strongly recommend not to do any tenders because of the premiums associated and the risks associated by the markets and by the suppliers. Now reverting back to the closer term, the contango is roughly for PTF that gas around 14, 15 euros between Q3, Q4. So that 14, 15 euros indeed is the premiums that the market is preparing uh, the natural gas cycle for injections, for withdrawals, and for any particular win winter risk. Again, we were lucky last year, very lucky. There's no guarantee that same luck will be on our side. If we have a colder than expected winter, then yes, we will be withdrawing more. And that means, again, the structural issues will come back because if we have competition, if we have more withdrawals, again, the gas storage will start to decline. We'll see it impact LNG again, and then the weather side will add its premium. So again, the three pillars, tick LNG, tick storage, tick weather, is working for us so far. But if you start unticking even one of them in case something goes wrong over Q4, Q1, then yes, you likely will see pricing increasing again. Well, thank you, Henry. Good advice, I'm sure, on being prepared as far as potential contracting is concerned. And I think you've given us plenty to think about there, not least on the risks ahead of what could be potentially quite a tricky winter ahead of us, even if hopefully not as bad as the one we've just been through. So if you found that interesting, do listen out for podcasts again from us soon. Have a look at our website, alphaenergygroup.com forward slash UK. Have a look at our reports there and do listen out. Uh, we'd love to hear from you and we'd love to, you to join us again for a podcast in a week or two's time. 